it's me, it's me, it's the D-O-double-G, the road dog, Jesse James, and by my side, as always, is that B-A-double-D-A-double crooked letter, badass, Billy Gunn, together we are the New Age Outlaws, and you're listening to the VOC Nation, and if you ain't down with that, he's got two words for you, suck it. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, who you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer The Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact, Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, and former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling with History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern, and of course, In the Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOC Nation. Hey, you. Yeah, 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 you. Winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning scene means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers. At MyBookie, winning season means watching live sports and betting live sports all season long. Rejoice! The NFL has returned. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. Get in on the action. Use promo code VOCNATION, all one word, no spaces, and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use promo code VOCNATION and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today, only at my bookie. Welcome to the Stadium Journey Podcast. We are proud to be part of the VOC Nation Radio Network. And after you listen to the podcast tonight, or this afternoon if you're listening to us at a later date, visit our website, stadiumjourney.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at Stadium Journey. And to find our podcast, simply search VOC Nation on whatever podcast search engine you use. You can find our library of video podcasts on Stadium Journey's YouTube channel. And as some of you may know, because you're there right now, we simulcast our podcast live at twitch.tv slash danlaw83, Tuesdays at 8. And you can find links to every podcast we've ever recorded. We've got to be closing in on 100 by now. Um, but anyway, they're all there on the Stadium Journey website. Just check under the podcast link on the menu. And don't forget... You can support our work, if you so choose, through our Patreon page. We have a new menu of rewards for supporters, including the possibility of joining us on a future podcast. That's worth any donation. I can and let me take a minute to introduce our starting lineup. With me once again, as always, is Dave Cotney. Follow him at ProFan9. 
Mark Viquez could not be with us tonight. He's dealing with a family situation. Mark, our thoughts are out to you, and we'll talk to you again in two weeks. You can follow him at Ballpark Hunter. Follow our producer, Dan Calachico, at DanLaw83. And I am Paul Baker. You can follow me at PuckmanRI. And tonight, we are happy to be joined by the Director of Media Relations for the North Shore Navigators of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League, and also a writer for both the New England Baseball Journal and the New England Hockey Journal. I almost said journey. I always do that. Joshua Cummings. Joshua Cummins. Excuse me. Joshua, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Paul, for having me. I knew I was going to mess up your name all week. I've been saying there's no G in his name, no G in his name, but there you go. It took me, what, five seconds. So, Josh, do you want to let our uh, listeners know where they can find you online and, and a little bit about what you do? Sure. So, um, look, like you mentioned, I'm a writer for New England Baseball Journal and Hockey Journal, kind of covering the the whole scene, right, from the uh, the, the company covers the, the, the pros and colleges, high schools, kind of, you name it, there's some presence in the in the magazine to that space, whether it be on the baseball side or the hockey side. And as well, uh, I'm the director of media relations for the North Shore Navigators, taking care of um, press releases, game notes, game stories, and just kind of the, the operations of the, the press box at uh, uh, Lynn, Massachusetts, Fraser Field. Lynn, Lynn, the city of sin, for those of you who are not from the Boston area. <laughs> so, um... Josh, we've been talking a lot recently, as probably everybody who deals with sports, about the coronavirus and how it affected everything this summer. Right. But you all in the Futures League managed to have a season, almost almost a regular length season. You played about, what, 40 games? Yeah, so the, the regular, usual seasons are 56, um, so kind of like the minor league style with the the travel every day, but it was basically, it, it was, it was the same type of season. There were um, six teams this year and the, the season was 39 games instead. So just kind of um, pushed back uh, about a month and, and played a couple weeks longer than usual. So uh, pre pretty normal setup for, for everything that was going on and really lucky to have that this year. So can you take our listeners through, if you can, um, from your perspective, the decision-making and the process that went in, from, whoops, now we, we can't play, to, hey, you know what, let's figure this out and let's make a season out of this. Right, so, so I'm, I'm not involved in the direct decision-making process, obviously have some, uh, kind of get the information along the way uh, as things transpire. And there was really never a point um, that it felt like it was going to be canceled. I feel like the, the, the uh, all the way along, the, the mindset was to, kind of wait and see what was going to happen because it's hard to, uh, of course, see, what, see what's going to happen in, in months down the, the line when kind of all this was going on in, in March and April. It was really a kind of wait and see what happens over the course of, of the next few months and, and see what could happen. Obviously, there were all kinds of uh, different scenarios along the way as, as far as um, different cities and towns and what their rules were about opening parks and facilities and, and different things like that. So um, everyone in the league really worked together to, to see what each, uh, to see what each team would be able to do as far as that. And uh, really lucky over the course of the, the season, uh, as far as um, uh, just kind of going through the, through that whole process at the beginning of the season, there was uh, everyone was able to kind of come together and, and, and make things work in each of their different uh, 
communities. So it was certainly different in, in some places like uh, where I spend the most time in, in Lynn, where the Massachusetts guidelines were, were not allowing fans, whereas in uh, New Hampshire and Connecticut with the national and New Britain teams, they were allowing kind of social distance fans at a lower capacity. So uh, it was kind of up to the states and the cities and towns that the teams play in as far as kind of what their scenarios would be. But in the end, uh, we were able to play baseball this year, which was really exciting and uh, something that well, was nowhere to be found almost uh, throughout the New England region. So it was a really, uh, uh, I know it was kind of being called the, the improbable season and it was really, uh, uh, it was really something to, uh, something to behold and to be part of. It was awesome. Yeah, you guys were the only game in town up in this part of the country. And, and I was very glad that, uh, very appreciative that you were able to make a season go of it because I got to actually go to a few games. But um, in Lynn, I know that you had all planned to have fans within the guidelines. And then that got shot down like opening day, right? Yeah, it, it was the day before opening day is when the, um, I guess, guidelines were reviewed or or redistributed i guess or edited i guess you would say um yeah and it was it, it definitely was unexpected um the day before opening day there were all plans everything was kind of marked out as far as um uh social distancing and and, and lines to mark people uh, uh lines to mark people to sit and to walk through the concourse but yeah the the day before opening day kind of things changed in the state of massachusetts and uh, and that's how uh, that's how we had to do it at at, at Fraser as far as this summer. But uh, like I said, that was something that it was it was up to the state and the cities and towns, and, and that's kind of how it um, uh, that's how it went for the for the navigators and, and other Massachusetts. Uh, right. Yeah. I know I know Brockton had kind of the same situation because they've got a brew pub actually attached to Campanelli Stadium, right. and so they thought they had a, a solution figured out because, like you said. Massachusetts guidelines allowed for some outdoor dining, I think, you know, maybe 50 people or less. So Brockton said, okay, we can have 50 people a game here in our outdoor area next to the, uh, next to the brew pub. But then after a couple of games, the state, same thing. No, nope, no fans there. But uh, at other places, uh, for example, I was able to catch the other four teams play. I mean, one team is one in, in New Hampshire, one was in Connecticut, but the two other Massachusetts teams allowed fans do you have any insight as to why that happened um so the those were as far as i know the kind of the 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 way it was explained is that those are public parks so you're able to um, people are able to go into a public park without it being against the rules so um that's that's the way that that i saw i was only at um, actually Westfield very early in the season and Worcester very late in the season. So I didn't have a lot of experience at those two places, but they're uh, more public facilities. So that's how, um, that's how that rule worked. Okay. And yeah, Worcester was another really incredible story this summer because they, right. like, like uh, you know, you were saying about uh, for the navigators, it was a last second change of plans. They got locked out of their stadium just about a week before the season started. <laughs> <laughs> they had to find a whole new place to play. What? Yeah, yeah. The uh, the uh, Bravehearts generally play on the campus of Holy Cross. And so you know, right when all the the lockdown went, or right before the season was to start, and Josh, what was that? Uh, June, July. 
the first week of July. Yeah, July yeah. 2nd, I believe, was opening day. They finally said, they, uh, said, nope, nope, campus is closed. Can't use the stadium. And yeah, it, 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 it was, a, it was a, a little further planned out than, than being locked out on the, the week before. Um, I think there was some idea because the college was closed through the entire rest of the spring semester. So I think it, it was more a matter of, uh, of just kind of waiting for the final uh, word. They were kind of working their options in the, in the background and, and kind of ultimately settled on the, the Lemonster solution. So it wasn't exactly locked out of the stadium at the last minute, but uh, certainly an unexpected change of plans over the um, kind of later few weeks of the, the off season where they had to officially make that move um, out of Holy Cross and, and onto Lemonster. Well, I got to tell you, having gone to a game there, they, they put on a fantastic show. You would never have known it was really kind of a last-minute switch. And uh, having been at Doyle Field for the days of the Dirt Dogs, the Wachusett Dirt Dogs, man, <laughs> what a difference. What a difference in the place. Dave, you got something? Yeah, so can you tell us, and I, I fully admit, I, as a, a Canadian far from – um, independent baseball in New York. Uh, it's, it's all a mystery to me. Um, can you explain to us how the finances are, are working? I, I don't know if you have that info, um, but without, without fans bringing in uh, revenue, um, how, are, how are the teams uh, surviving? Is it on the, the good graces of the owner? Um, you know, going into the reserves, or was there some some other funding or uh, creative sources of revenue? Uh, how how is it that you're able to uh, make sure that this season isn't going to kill like next season and future seasons? Right. Yeah, I, I don't have any any information on that as far as hard numbers. Um, I know really. The, the main concern this year was obviously trying to play baseball and and do something for for these guys after having their their college seasons taken away it was uh obviously hard for for everyone and they just uh, uh really the big focus was just trying to play baseball no matter what it took whether it was uh just kind of working through all these different each team had a um a covid plan just to how they were going to work with their communities and if fans were were allowed or not uh just how, how that spacing would work and, and what the capacities would be and uh, just kind of working to get everything in the, the ballparks ready. So um, I don't have numbers as far as that. Obviously the, the teams that had fans were, were at an advantage in that department, but um, uh, certainly it, it sets itself up for um, kind of a, a great future as far as the, the league, because there was a lot of added exposure in the fact that um, they were the only league in New England playing. So, uh, it'll be fun to see how things transpire in the future. Did you end up with any like extra uh, media coverage uh, as as being the only, like Paul said, the only game in town? Yeah, certainly at the, at the beginning you saw it with the uh, kind of the news stations in Boston picking up on it because especially at the beginning the Boston Red Sox and Major League Baseball hadn't started playing yet, and uh, it was really the only sport going on almost. Um, so yeah, you you definitely saw it with the kind of the Boston stations and even just the 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 local news in some of the the towns. I know the um, things change with uh, speaking in in Lynn. Things kind of change with the 
um, kind of printing schedule with the newspaper, so they weren't able to do things um, maybe at night that they would with the, the games, but kind of just able to do some different features and things like that. So there was definitely um, outside of the regular papers that cover those uh, specific teams and, and local news um, here on the North Shore, it was definitely, uh, you could definitely see an added focus from articles in the Boston Globe and, and the Herald and uh, all kinds of different publications. So it was definitely well, uh, well picked up by the local media because there wasn't a whole lot going on. And you even got three games televised on Nesson. Yes, that's right. Um, that was a really cool experience. So it was just the, the production of that was just like you were watching a Red Sox or, or Bruins game on, on Nesson. It was um, the, the announcers were kind of people within the, in the league, but the production was a company that Nesson works with a lot. And uh, it was really fun to it's kind of see how, how that worked on a, um, obviously through the, through the hockey and um, other things I do during the, the winter. I've, I've, seeing how that works from, from a different sport, but to really kind of be up close with that baseball production and have some kind of uh, hand in, in with some information with them. It was a really cool experience. Uh, and you, you, you wouldn't know uh, that it wasn't the, the Red Sox because the production was, uh, uh, was really cool. And it, uh, um, it was a, a wonderful, uh, uh, wonderful production. So it was Korean baseball or? Or Futures League on TV. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Just about. Um, another bump I think you all received, in, and I, I mean no disrespect at all from this, Josh, or to anyone from the Futures League who's listening, but um, in this area we have three summer collegiate leagues, and the Futures League has always been kind of number three on the food chain. You know, you've got, you know, of course you've got the Cape Cod League, which is viewed as the premier league in the whole country for summer wood bat leagues. And then you've got the New England League, which is pretty well established. The Futures League is the new kids on the block. But this year, it seemed like you guys were able to attract a, a, a jump up in talent. A am I right or wrong in, in, in thinking that? Because the games seemed a lot crisper and a lot better played this year. Yeah, it, it was certainly um, the, the cancellation of the Cape and the NUCBL definitely helped um, all of the, the rosters in um, just attracting so uh, quite a few of those guys had played in the league uh, before and, and speaking for the um, navigators, um, two of the guys who were kind of at the top of the, uh, now as the college academic year starts to uh, ramp back up, two of the names that are uh, pretty high in the New England and, and um, one of them very high in the national draft boards, uh, Sal Freelich and Cody Morissette from, from Boston College, the two of them, uh, had played in the league a couple years ago. Um, Sal was hurt last summer, but Cody played in the Cape Cod League last year. And just because there was nowhere else to go, um, this was the place that uh, that they ended up uh, they ended up coming back to. Sal played for the Navigators two years ago, and Cody was actually in uh, Nashua two years ago. But the two of them were two of the the many guys who were kind of picked up, whether it be from any CBL or from Cape rosters. So it was definitely uh, kind of the place for a lot of New England talent this year and um, basically every school in, in New England had players in the, in the league just because it was, it, it really was the place to go. And it was fun to kind of watch that talent uh, collected on one field because um, there, there was nowhere else for it to, to really be showcased. And, and there were a lot of, um, I know we're talking about the kind of media coverage before, but you could see it with the major league scouts too, because there was nowhere else for them to go. So um, that was a big attraction for, for them, especially with guys like 
Freelich and, and Morissette and, and some of the other guys throughout the league. Uh, could you uh, maybe give our listeners, peel back the curtain a little bit if you can, Josh, and tell us, um, at least from your experience, what, di- what was different this year about putting on a game in, in the world of COVID than, than what we would experience during a regular summer? Yeah, so at least from the, the navigator's perspective where, where um, uh, I'm at home, there, uh, there, there wasn't a whole lot to it, I guess, w- without, a, without a crowd. It, it was pretty normal as far as our media operation was concerned, a PA announcer and music and, and the broadcast, actually. That was another uh, point um, I should have made when we were talking about the media. There was a uh, new broadcast package for, for the league, so you could pay-per-view stream um, all of the games uh, obviously, except the ones that were uh, on Nesson. But, but yeah, as far as that, but, but definitely, I know I, as far as some of the other teams, I talked about it a little bit uh, uh, earlier when we were discussing kind of those preparations for, for opening day before Massachusetts uh, guidelines changed. But, but yeah, it was just kind of everything from uh, taping off sections of seats that weren't, um, that, that weren't, being used by a specific party to kind of help with that social distancing and um, kind of markings in the lines for concession stands at the, uh, the parks that had uh, that regular crowd and just all kinds of different things like that that are kind of becoming a part of that, quote, new normal that we're, we're seeing kind of everywhere. And it was really just kind of taking some of those things that have been uh, changing in other parts of, of uh, kind of the world here and uh, kind of taking it to the, the ballpark. So it was really nothing totally unexpected um, or totally different from, from other kind of aspects of what's going on, but just uh, kind of taken to the, to the ballpark and, and, of course, making sure that people are wearing masks when they're not in their um, kind of distance in their seats was kind of the, the norm throughout the, throughout the course of the park. I guess that was the, maybe the one thing that uh, was consistent throughout everywhere is just that that mask wearing and uh, like I said, certainly nothing unexpected from what's kind of become that new normal or whatever term you like to use. So did uh, players and staff in the league have to go through regular testing or was it kind of the honor system to to self-quarantine and and take precautions? Yeah. So, so everyone had their temperature checked on the way coming in. And if there was a high temperature, then they'd have to go get tested and uh, obviously wouldn't be allowed to come back until, uh, they tested negative. So the, the, the normal kind of protocol well, was that entering the, the ballpark. Uh, um, someone from the home team would kind of record everything and um, go from there. That's funny. I work in a hospital, and that's the exact protocol I go through every yep. morning as well. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, and I've got to say, Josh, for everybody who uh, works at a Futures League park, I went to five different games this year, and I felt very comfortable at all the parks. I went to four out of the six teams this, this year, the four that I could go to. Right. And um, yeah, everybody was very conscious and fans alike. I mean, you hear stories about people not cooperating with mask mandates and such, but I saw fans everywhere wearing masks and respecting uh, distancing rules. So it really was a collaboration, a group effort to, to keep everybody safe. I think everybody was happy to be at the ballpark and have a little bit of normal in their routine. No doubt. I, I could see that just from um, w- one of the things that was different um, this year, just as far as kind of everything that happened with the college season being, being canceled and, and just kind of all of these guys 
having all the time in the world to to kind of get themselves ready for for at that point when their seasons were canceled uh they didn't really know what was next this like we were talking about with the the other many of the other leagues canceling um kind of nobody knew if this would be something that would happen this year and and like i said uh, it, it never from the league perspective never felt like it got to that point where um it couldn't be a wait and see approach but um obviously with everything going on it, it was kind of hard to imagine at points that that there would be a point where this could happen but um like you said everyone worked together and just kind of um worked together and to put on put on this and you could see it from day 1 with just the players taking the field for for practice which was something that you don't usually get in these summer leagues with them coming right from college there was a uh, a good amount of time a week or so uh more than that actually to uh, kind of get them together and to to have practice. You can see it just with the looks on their faces being out on the field before um, uh, something that they didn't get to do for 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 months. So it was really cool to see kind of the smile on their faces from from the beginning and just kind of going through this together because it really was a like you said a team effort. And so now it's time for me to throw four or five of the teams in the league under the bus because you went through this whole season, you were able to make it through safely complete the season till the end. And at the end of the season, what did we end up with? The same two teams in the championship. <laughs> I mean, the Futures League, for those of you who are familiar with the Futures League, this was your 10th season. And in eight of the previous nine seasons, the champion was either Nashua or Worcester. And guess who met in the championship round this year? Nashua and Worcester. So what's going on in the rest of the cities, man? Yeah, the, so the the actually, it, and it's funny too that um, last year the family uh, that you referenced that owns the um, Worcester team actually bought the team from Nashua, so they're owned now for the for the first time in in those years they played each other for for the championship. The two teams owned by the same same man in the same family, so so that was a unique aspect to it this year too. But yeah, that's just a a great group of people, and like you said, they put on a a great show at those two parks. So uh, that was a fun added wrinkle to it. And um, it, it was a cool experience to, uh, to be there and, and, and see the the crowd in, in that scenario. There were a lot of smiles under those uh, masks and on those players at the end of that season, because like I said before, nobody knew, um, nobody could have dreamed that, that this would happen this year for the most part. And it was really fun to, uh, to kind of see it all come to, uh, come to the end with that final game and there was a great crowd almost as as full as it could be in this uh, COVID social distance world at home and uh, that night was really uh, uh, really special to see it to the end. Yeah what what a difference because I think I went to the I didn't go to opening day in Nashua that was a funny story because uh, we checked and there were tickets available when we left and you you know where I live I live down in southern Massachusetts right so about a two-hour drive to Nashua I checked before we left they said there were tickets available we drive up to Nashua, get there, no tickets available. So I had to turn around and go back. So I ended up at the second game and I think like the last or second to last game. What, what a difference in atmosphere because you could feel the, the nervousness early in the season. Like people didn't know what to expect or right. how can I move around the stadium. And at the end, people I think had adjusted to the rules and were very comfortable in what they needed to do at a ballpark. It was almost like, like it was in previous seasons. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the Futures League, Josh, because it's really been a, a godsend for some old minor league ballparks that 
honestly might probably be looking at the wrecking ball or just not being used. But the Futures League has set up shop. There's seven teams in the league, and six of them are former minor league ballparks. Yeah, it, that's kind of the, the, the model that's been, been taken. A lot of the um, the league was started by um, one of the main groups in the one of the main people in the group that that started the league were um, the previous owners of the the Lowell Spinners. So obviously a very uh, familiar minor league uh, name there. And, and yeah, it was just a, a kind of created, like you said, ten years ago to give um, uh, a place to play for for a lot of players that um, maybe couldn't get an invite to the. Uh, the Cape Cod League or to the NECBL or uh, originally uh, a lot of guys from Division Two and Division Three schools that, um, that that aren't generally in those leagues, but but it's really grown over the course of of time to um, bring in players that um, one of the unique things about the the league is that there are um, the ability to bring in college freshmen uh, or high school graduates who are going into their freshman year of college before they go to college. Um, so some of those guys um, include um, someone who made his major league debut a couple of years ago, Chris Shaw, who went to the Boston college and went on to play in the NECBL in the Cape league and um, was drafted uh, in the first round out of BC. And um, he was in the league before he even got to, to BC uh, for Nashua. So that's just uh, uh, kind of one example of the way that the league was able to bring in some, some different kind of talent and uh, it's been really fun to, to kind of watch that grow over the course of time and bring in kids from uh, half of your roster, um, half of your Futures League rosters have to be from New England colleges. So whether it be uh, or, or from New England natives, uh, right? players who are from New England. Um, so whether they're from Massachusetts and go to somewhere like Vanderbilt, there's been a few examples of that over the course of the, of the history and um, and then, like I said, guys from, from BC, Northeastern, UMass Lowell, schools in Connecticut um, uh, have a lot of representation on the, uh, the team uh, in New Britain and the team that had previously been in Bristol. Um, so definitely uh, kind of dots the New England landscape, Division One, Two, uh, Division Three, and uh, it's kind of really fun to, to see that collection of talent. And this is the case in all three of the, uh, the leagues in, in New England, but um, certainly in the NECBL and, and in the Futures League where there's kind of that mix of divisions and schools and it, it is really something pretty unique and, and to, to be part of. Uh, I know a lot of guys who've gone through these experiences in, um, in all three of these leagues. It's kind of a, um, just the, the collection of guys kind of become friends for, for life. You're with, you, with each other so much of the, so much of the summer on uh, bus rides when that was acceptable. Uh, <laughs> yeah, those road um, trips to Martha's Vineyard were something, huh? Yeah, really something. <laughs> um, although n not quite bad coming from uh, this area of the country because you just kind of slide down the east coast of Massachusetts. It doesn't take too terribly long. Uh, but yeah, you, you kind of gain friends for, for life from those bus or, like you mentioned, uh, boat trips. So really uh, uh, a really fun experience to uh, be in New England. And obviously there are other leagues throughout the country, but um, kind of this New England region with the, the three of them uh, kind of intermingled with one another. It's really a special thing to, to be a part of. Yeah, it was great this summer to, like, as, as batters come up to the plate, they announce their schools where they're from. So right. like you said, you would hear, hear like, uh, so-and-so from Duke, so-and-so from Vanderbilt, 
and then so-and-so from Salem State. Right. <laughs> it was just, you, you had a great mix of local, local connections in different ways. Dave, you had a question? Yeah. Um, so for the layperson, who, who, who would uh, Joe Average know that has sort of come through um, either North Shore or maybe the, the league broader who's gone on to, you know, bigger things in, in the majors? Who, yes. Who, who would we know? Yeah, so um, the league's only only ten years old. So um, obviously, uh, talking about the uh, the futures league is only ten years old. But um, one of the guys that that I mentioned who, who would be the popular name is Chris Shaw, who I just mentioned uh, in the last question. And actually, it's um, over the course of the ten years, there have been three um, guys who've gone all the way up to the the major leagues. Another one is from Northeastern, another school that I referenced, Aaron Savali. He's been a pitcher, and he's really done uh, amazing for the Cleveland Indians at the end of last year and uh, has been in their rotation this year. And, and the third one was an older guy. He's not from New England, but his name is Tyler Bashlor, And he um, came up with the Mets and he's with a different team now. So those are the three uh, for, for the New Englanders, Shaw and Savali are certainly the, the big names coming from two of the uh, kind of two of the bigger schools in uh, right near Boston. And, um, yeah, so th those are definitely the three that uh, have advanced to Major League Baseball, but um, you certainly see others in the, uh, the other two leagues around as well. But as far as the Futures League, um, those are the three that have gone all the way to the show. I know for a while the, uh, the Futures League um, well, I can't, slogan was, who will be first? It was, it was even on your balls, on the baseballs. So... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the slogan is now that uh, three players have made it all the way to the end. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Josh, where the Navigators play, it, it's a historic field in its own right, Fraser Field. And having visited there several times, I've talked about it on the show. But you want to give our listeners a little insider's story about the history of Fraser Field, what makes it so special? Sure. Yeah, it's a good year to talk about it too because it's the 80th uh, anniversary. It was 19. Uh, 1940 that that was the first yeah so kind of like a lot of the other ballparks in, in, in new england whether it be the, the futures league or some of the others that um are, are kind of around it really historic and um stories of just different red sox players coming through and um i guess maybe even more historic almost would be um manning field next door where um harry aganis who played for for the red sox was a high school football player and uh it's just a, it is a really um deep sports community history but yeah major league baseball players have uh, kind of gone through there and um obviously johnny pesky is a red sox name who who's local who um who definitely played there ted williams i believe uh is a name on that list um uh, but yeah just all kinds of and, and again it's played um baseball as well um uh, obviously growing up in in, in linen for the red sox um, so yeah, that's just so much history. And, um, like we're talking about a lot of the other ballparks in new England kind of intertwined, whether it be more recent years in the Can-Am independent league, or like you said, a lot of those teams played there, but just a really historic place that, um, has kind of seen some big names come through and, uh, it's definitely a, a community in an area of the state, like a lot of others in Massachusetts that have some, some pretty deep sports history there. Yeah, one thing that was disappointing the last time I went up to Fraser Field is they used to have a, a display in the uh, in that side building, which is the restrooms, and I think the locker rooms are in there too. 
Right. There used to be like a big picture. You'd walk in and like an eight foot tall picture of Ted Williams was in there and stuff. And, you know, it's scary and stuff. But that stuff all uh, it's not there anymore. So are there any plans to? I know. Uh, I know the ballpark had some renovations going on, especially on the roof. Uh, the, you know, Fraser Field's uh, signature look is uh, it's got a big cantilevered roof, which was built in the 30s. This this ballpark's a pro, uh, project of the WPA, so that's how old right. it is. Right. Like you said, 80 years this year. So um, I know over the years they've had to cut and repair the roof, and last year there were there were actually sections closed off because they were doing some major work on the roof. So um, is there, are there any plans? Long long question, short here to uh, bring back some of the history and put that front and center. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure what, um, I know there are going to be, uh, I'm not sure exactly the timeline of the, the plans, but there are going to be, um, um, at, at least they were talked about kind of before um, the, the last few months transpired, um, as far as City of Lynn renovations to, to the park, I know they were talking about um, new lights and um, kind of turfing the rest of the, the, the turf infield and grass outfield kind of taking care of the rest and just doing some other things to um uh again renovate what is a, an older ballpark uh for the first time in, in in several years so i know that's uh on the plans i'm not exactly sure the, the exact timeline of that or, or when that's all gonna um kind of be started and come to, to completion but but definitely um some renovations are are being planned that's for sure i do miss seeing the giant Manning Bowl looming over the uh, center field <laughs> fence, though. <laughs> For those of you who have, have never been there, the, the football stadium, Lynn's football stadium, was called the Manning Bowl, and it was located directly behind Fraser Field. And so it was this giant concrete shell of a stadium that was, and people would try to hit balls up there and stuff. And <laughs> the stories of, uh, you know, yeah, the ex Red Sox players crushing balls up under the football stadium where they're always right. told. So, uh, Josh, people also, uh, in addition to working for the NAVs, you also write for a couple of sports publications, the New England Baseball Journal and the New England Hockey Journal. And I think you and I actually bump into each other more at hockey games than we ever have at baseball games. So uh, since this is the Stadium Journey podcast, uh, do you want to take a few minutes and talk about some of your favorite places to go? Baseball, hockey, or, you know, any sport, really. Wow. Wow. What uh, pressure, Paul. Good job. I know. <laughs> uh, I, don't know. I thought this was a way to make discussion. <laughs> Finally, let's talk about some of your favorite places. I mean, hey, man, this is Stadium Journey Podcast. No softballs here. <laughs> <laughs> Hard-hitting journalism at its finest. Yeah. Yeah, no. So um, I know we're talking about a lot of the um, minor league parks, just a, a couple of the ones that, that um, I've gone to. I, I mentioned Lowell with the, the spinners is a place that, um, I went to a lot and, and actually, uh, the same is true for, uh, for, for Nashua at Holman that I know we talked about with the, uh, the Silver Knights. Those are two places that, uh, I went a lot, obviously, um, kind of going into the, um, the, the hockey space, kind of one of the places that, um, kind of <laughs> helped me fall in love with, with that sport is, is Matthews Arena at, at Northeastern University, another old one that's, uh, uh, so cool when you when you walk into there, and um, I guess kind of kind of uh, along those two um, kind of groups of uh, of leagues that I've followed and now cover. Those are kind of the ones that stand out to to me. Obviously, of the 
uh, again, this arena at BU is somewhere that I've gone to a lot and, and that kind of opened as I was uh, getting pretty involved and, and interested and then involved in, in the sport. So, so those are ones that, that definitely stand out in, uh, on both sides of the, of the court. Nice, nice. Dave, you've actually been to Matthews Arena, but not for hockey. I have. Right? But not for hockey. No, I went for basketball. And um, okay. what a difference, huh? <laughs> the, well, I think, the, I think the scoreboard was bigger than the arena. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, Josh. That really uh, changed, changed the uh, aesthetics of, of that place, didn't it? Yeah, that, that thing is unbelievable. I remember the, the, the first time, uh, I think it was at the first game that they – Actually, I, I saw it up before it was used. Uh, but then I was at the first game that <laughs> that they turned it on for, and I, I thought I was going to go home with a headache just with the, the bright lights and the, the music. It was it was unbelievable. Um, and certainly gotten used to it uh, a couple games afterwards. Um, but yeah, that that thing is is pretty wild, and certainly don't have to um, worry about what the score is when you go in there now. That's for sure. Yeah, no kidding. That, I, I don't think it fits. And, and like, I, I've only been once, but it's just, it just does not provide the vibe that, that I was expecting. Um, you mean you like 100 year, 100 year old hockey arena? Yeah. Brand new HD. Uh, right. I don't know. It goes, it goes past the blue lines. This thing is it, so huge. It, 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 it does. It, it's pretty well past the, past both of them. Yeah. You know, you know the probably the best comparison I can give it is is it's kind of like Soldier Field, where they kept like this really old outdoor outside like facade with the pillars and whatnot, and they put in this like silver spaceship inside. It, it like it just it doesn't match. <laughs> it just doesn't match. I don't know. I, I loved. You know what it was funny about Matthews is is I loved the. Um, like the it's not I don't know if you call it the concourse the the atrium or it, it reminded me of a theater mm -hmm. like an, an definitely old theater like it's all carpeted and and I don't know if there were chandeliers or not but they would not have been out of place had there had there been there I believe there are chandeliers been <laughs> there um but yeah uh, Josh have you been to this place we haven't talked about it very much on this on this podcast it's called McCoy Stadium. Have you been there at all? I, I sure have. Um, that, that's another one. I, I should have mentioned that list. Yeah. Uh, I've been there plenty of times. Never heard of that one before. <laughs> Not as many as me, man. <laughs> so, so what are you, what are your thoughts on, uh, on McCoy kind of, I guess you talk about going out with a whimper. Wow. Pawtucket's going to be the eighth Futures League franchise next year. Oh yeah, it, it, it's it's really sad as someone who um, kind of grew up in, in in this area. Obviously, it's a it's a little further away from from me, but um, yeah, it, it is somewhere I definitely went to, and it was such a shame to uh, to see um, kind of what happened with this year, especially with just not getting its goodbye for for the kind of the special year. It was really um, uh, another place we talk about places with history. My goodness. Um, that's certainly another one. It was definitely, um, it's definitely going to be bittersweet to see that one go because uh, um, certainly so much history there and, and to kind of not get that goodbye is, is definitely tough. Paul, do you, uh, Paul and Josh, um, 
I don't know when they're taking McCoy Stadium or if they're taking McCoy Stadium down. Do you think they'll try to make a make good game in that, or is that done? Well, um, I'm going to take this one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They were supposed to announce their plans. The city of Pawtucket was supposed to announce last year because the city actually owns the ballpark. I didn't know that. Oh, no, the state Uh, actually owns it, not the city. Oh, okay. But uh, they were going to announce what their, their plans were, and in my mind, the final six, they, they put out a list of six places. There were two baseball teams. There was uh, two soccer teams. And then a couple oh. of really goofy ideas that wanted to turn it into mixed use. One wanted to put, turn it into like a arcade or something. I don't know. Um, uh, you have my attention. But they never announced it. And this is almost a year ago now, which makes me think that they were, hope, they were holding out hope to play baseball there. Um, will the Paw Sox play there again? Gotcha. Um, but, yeah, Josh, that led me to one question I wanted to ask, and I forgot to earlier, um, with the Bravehearts. The, the, uh, the Wu Sox are opening up their $100 million baseball park next year. Can Worcester su- still support the Bravehearts with the Wu Sox there? Yeah, it definitely um, <laughs> uh, definitely a question that's been uh, brought up a lot over the course of the last, uh, was it, two or three years that, that kind of the announcement's been, been made. It, it's definitely two different, uh, two different styles. That's for sure. Um, one's obviously the, the brand of the, the Red Sox. So, so that's there and um, certainly going to be a presence, but, but like all of these summer collegiate teams, it's just such a different vibe um, you're, you're dealing with. I, we were talking about the, the local players with the fact that you're um, watching a player from, from BC and from, Vanderbilt or somewhere like that next to the player from your local division two or division three school. It's something that um, in the minor leagues, you you don't get that kind of local flavor, local atmosphere where um, everyone in the stands is, is friends with somebody. Well, not everyone, but, but there's a, there's a great um, local flavor and, and, and a lot of the people in the crowd are friends and family of, of players when the, the roster is very local, especially as it was um, this year with the um, just everything with, with COVID, the loss, rosters were super local, um, more even more so than, than usual, kind of taking that 50% rule that we talked about uh, to kind of the next step further. But, um, but yeah, I definitely think there, there's room. It's certainly two different types of uh, two different types of baseball and certainly two different atmospheres to, to create. So certainly you're, you're in the same place as, as the Red Sox, but but there's no comparing the two. They're totally different. Interesting, because, uh, yeah, the Bravehearts have always led, led far and away, led the Futures League in attendance. I mean, they pack fit and field. I think their average crowd is about 3,000 a night, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, uh, pretty close. So we were wondering, you know, when we were up at Doyle Field, is this mm-hmm. a dry run for the team for 2021? But – the plan right now is to have it make a go at Fitton. Yeah, I would. It's, that was definitely a temporary solution. Um, so yeah, definitely sounds like as, as long as things get back to uh, as close to normal as possible. Um, you can't see Josh doing air quotes there, but yeah, no, um, certainly, um, no. That's that was definitely a temporary um, solution. So um, there's certainly. Uh, I'm sure hoping to to be back at at Hanover uh, this year. At Holy right. Very very good. Okay, so 
Can we double back to uh, Pawtucket for a second? So you said that um, you don't see uh, the Red Sox going back to play in Pawtucket at all. Well, that was me, but yeah. That was you, yeah. I, I actually, I can see a scenario um, where it happens. No, you can't. I, actually, I can. And here it is. It's not going to happen next year. <laughs> it's like the way look on Paul's face like, nah. He's got that, he's got that old man face. I'm not letting go. Yeah. Um, but, but can't you see it happening, like, once the, the attendance sort of, I, I mean, it's not going to bottom out, but it sort of flattens out. Uh, like they think of the money they can make by going to Pawtucket for one day on like a Wednesday and they can sell the joint out as the big farewell that they never had. Obviously not next year in the first year, but you know, maybe in the, in the second year or in the third year. That's what I was leading towards earlier, but they know sold me. <laughs> they both did. <laughs> Josh and Paul were like, no. no. Nah. No. I only I only say that because I think of um well never mind. Different situation. I was gonna say when the Flyers moved, you know, a whole twenty feet north and they said they never play in the spectrum again, they played a couple games there. I'm just saying, maybe there's hope that they'll get a make. You know what was awesome that they used to do is they used to do the double headers where you could see the phantoms like in the morning and then Yes! I know. I love that. I used to love that too because that was my day mapped up. I don't want to talk about it anymore. This is not the new. This is not the Philly podcast, and I'm not going to mention pork roll or cheesesteaks. But good. We we were probably actually in the building at the same time then, Dan, because I went probably. to one of those. Probably, I, many of those as possible. As they, they used to do that in Toronto um, in like the '70s with the old Marleys, uh, who are a junior team. Yeah. And uh, and they were actually owned by the Maple Leafs, and they used to have doubleheaders at Maple Leaf Gardens. They'd run the Marlies game first, and then, then the Leaf game Saturday night, and away we go. Anyway, right, go so, ahead. Sorry, so, Josh, uh, you know, sorry to, sorry to get way off track there for a little no bit. We, we tend to do that on the show a little bit. <laughs> it happens but, weekly. Um, so, uh, do you want to take a second, Josh, and um, let our listeners know uh, where they can find you, uh, your work, your writing, uh, the NAVs, all that good stuff? Let, Pimp out all your social media stuff. Sure, yeah. So so Twitter is just my name, Joshua Cummins, J-O-S-H-U-A-K-U-M-M-I-N-S. Um, the, the two websites for, for the magazines are, are simple, baseballjournal and hockeyjournal.com, um, baseballjournal.com and hockeyjournal.com. Uh, and the, the NAVS, uh, uh, com and the Futures League is thefuturesleague.com. Fantastic, Josh. So thanks, thanks for joining us, and hopefully um, I'll be seeing you up at the Garden for the Bean Pot come uh, February next year. Oh my goodness, I hope so. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I know there were some. There's been some some talk kind of over the last uh, few weeks about when kind of these college hockey seasons might start. I know it's kind of going to hinge on what happens with the uh, whether it be the football teams kind of here in the in the fall and what goes on. Obviously, uh, I think all of those except for BC, but. Um, kind of basketball, I, I would think that the NCAA is going to want to make a good uh, kind of run at that. And, and I think hockey is going to be not far uh, behind. I know there's kind of, there, there's all kinds of different dates flying around, but, but it certainly right. seems like um, uh, as long as kind of things on these, these campuses and the testing continues to, 
to go, I think there's going to be uh, a go of it uh, as far as this winter. And hopefully, like you said, it means that being part of February. Uh, Always a highlight of my year. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joshua. Thanks for joining us. We enjoyed uh, having this discussion. And once again, thanks for joining us. Joshua, Joshua Cummins from the North Shore Navigators. All right. So I guess I've got the only trip. <laughs> I guess you do. All right. We can talk about the Sixers moving to Camden. We already did that. They, but they don't know that. <laughs> just uh-huh. go. Listeners, go count. listeners, you don't know. Yeah, Twitch. <laughs> yeah, uh, just go. Cool. Just go. You're fine. You don't need to count. Okay. Did right, Albert yeah. Pujols just pass Willie Mays? Did he hit another home run? Did he? Uh, oh. I think he, he, tied, he tied him yesterday. Wow. I think he just did. It wow. said live, and I don't know. It's muted. So, but I think he just did. All right, so that would put him what? Fifth all time or fourth? Uh, I thought Willie May. Oh, wait, that was John Feinstein's list, which didn't include Vaughn's and A Rod. So I was going to say third, but. Because he's got like 30 to go to get A Rod now, I think. 30 something. Yeah, no, I, I'm, John Feinstein's tweet on it this morning was my list is Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth. Willie Mays and Albert Pujols tied. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't Sorry, do that. John Feinstein. You, you can't, can't do that. You can't do that. Anyway. Anyway. Anyway, this is the part of the show where we talk about where we've been in the last two weeks. I went to the doctors and didn't die two weeks later. That's always a plus. There you go. Somebody's uh, automated speaker's talking now. Yeah, Siri's telling me about Babe Ruth. Thanks. Thanks, Siri. And now on this next week on the Stadium Journey podcast, Siri. <laughs> yeah, we should do that. We're replaced by. I don't want to, even want to say the name because it'll start talking again. <laughs> Sounds like an episode of Future Ever. What were you going to say? What were you going to say, Dave? I was going to say the S word that would make my iPad start talking again, but I don't want to say that. <laughs> yeah, don't say that. What, Sixers? <laughs> no. Hey, Sixers. You can change Siri's name if you wanted to, couldn't you? Yeah, you could, her, you could say, hey, I won't say, I can't. So one time we were streaming Fortnite, and we were talking about the weather between rounds, and I said, okay, rhymes with schmoogle. Uh, what's the weather like today? And the, sh- <laughs> the speaker was like, tomorrow's weather in blah de blah I was like, don't tell everybody where I live. Jesus Christ. I know where I live. <laughs> Just tell me the weather. That, that's one of the videos I had to take down and edit. Yeah, yeah. I don't want everybody to know exactly where you live. And here's your address too. While we're at it, yeah. Your address is blah 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 blah. Jays are losing in the bottom of the fifth, sixteen to three. Who is the Jays? That is a close game compared to that Miami game last week. Twenty-nine to nine or something like when, that. When did Ooh. the Marlins get good? Did they? No, it's just against the us. You're right. They're second they're, in the. They're, they're second. second in the East. They're second. They just I, passed I them. I haven't been paying attention. I'm glad they're still playing the. Uh, uh, um, what the hell is that MMA Irish guy's name? Why am I dropping a blank? Conor McGregor. Yeah, there's yeah, still there's still Aaron Conor McGregor ads. That's nice. Oh uh, well. Anyway, he wasn't arrested <laughs> this weekend. Okay. Anyway, did you hear the Sixers are trying to put a new train in Penn's Landing? <laughs> I, I know, that still boggles the mind. You, I don't think you could fit a regulation you, basketball court. You there. can't. There's nowhere to park. There's nowhere to yeah. There's nowhere to get people to an arena at Penn's Landing. 
and it makes me hate the ownership more. And I'm not going to rant all over again just for the podcast. It'll be unnatural. F them. <laughs> so uh, this is where we talk about places we've been the last two weeks. Penn's Landing? No, no I, I, not in the last two weeks. Okay. Although Pennsylvania is on the list of states I can go to now. Oh, that's very nice. I, I can yeah. get the pork roll. That's right. Closer. That's right. We're supposed to. Okay. So this is the plan. You're going to go get the pork roll. I'm going to go into Pennsylvania. And we're going to meet halfway across Ben Franklin. But Bridge. you don't have to. I can go all the way into Pennsylvania now. Oh, okay. Well, just meet me somewhere and I'll grab it. I can go to, I can go to Delaware too. Not that that helps. That's close. Yeah. Yes, it does. It's closer. It's technically closer to me. Okay. It would screw you over, but I don't oh, care. Oh, I got to go all the way down to the bottom of Delaware? That's yeah, I'll meet you halfway. The last time I drove on that road, I don't know what highway it is that goes up Delaware. We got stuck on a two-lane road. Blasky Highway? Behind, no, that one goes across to Ocean City, right? Yeah. The one that goes up from the bottom up to Wilmington. But for part of it, it's a two-lane road, and we got stuck behind a truck full of chickens. Yep. Worst smell I've ever seen. Is smelled. that the one that you go over the Bay Bridge? Yeah, if you keep going. Yeah, I forget the, the number, actually. I call it long pain in the ass. Yeah, that's what it was, especially behind a chicken truck. Yeah, yeah. But we'll, we'll meet there at the side of the, the, the Valero gas station right at, when it turns into me, and I'll get my pork roll, and I'll go home. <laughs> All right, There's a there. Waffle House there, so we can have lunch. We can have a waffle. Right. We don't have Waffle Houses up here. <sighs> You're better off. Not up here either. They're overrated. I'll say it. I'll say it. Ruffle House is overrated. Better than Denny's, which is what we got instead. That's not Waffle accurate. House is really kind of sketchy looking. You take that back, Paul. <laughs> How dare you? Do you have any... Li- okay, here, you want a story? Here, this will pad the podcast down. My baby teeth used to get stuck on the teeth coming in. Right? Because the roots were too big. And you were 32 at the time. I was 34. This was two years ago. No, like six, seven, and eight. So my stepmother devised a plan. She figured this out once. That if she took me to Denny's and and I got a corn dog, it would rip that sucker right out. So anytime I get... I'm not kidding. Let's go to Denny's. Yeah, yeah. Two two of the teeth that would come out. She she goes, just eat the corn dog. Trust me. One of the bites, that sucker be on the... Done. Gone. Out. <laughs> uh, the third one got lost inside of... There was, she had an 88 Mazda 626. And, dude, I, I was a pansy when it came to my teeth, right? This thing was barely hanging on by a root. This one, I think. She tricked me, this evil woman. <laughs> she goes, I just want to look at it. Come here. Wham! <laughs> Sit out, and because I panicked, it went like like I went like this because she pulled, and it wasn't. It was barely in there. In slow motion, we watched that thing fly in the air and fall into the emergency e brake, into the bottom of the car, disappeared, never came back. We very found it though. In the Denny's parking lot, I have very fun memories of Denny's. Watch yourself. <laughs> so, so what would you do if you need a root canal, like Bob Evans, or? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I was thinking uh, Silver Diner, Bob Evans. Yeah, that's very good, Dave. That's very good. I'm gonna mark that. Man, you guys need like healthcare down there. Uh, I got the healthcare. I was just I wouldn't let anybody touch my teeth. They'd be like, "Will you just stop it, you pansy?" Come on. <sighs> it was an hour eighteen in. All right. Um, where were we? Oh, yes. I Visits. Went to, God, for God's sakes, please. I went to Palisades Credit Union Ballpark, home of the Rockland Boulders, and 
I don't what? even know how to say the name what? of the Where's state. Where did you just say? Ramapo, New York. It's usually the home of the Rockland Boulders of the Frontier League. Oh. But this year it hosted one of those pop-up leagues, the uh, All-American Baseball Chant Challenge. So Pam uh, and I decided, you know what? If we don't go this weekend, we're not going to see another game in person this year. So we went. We took the three-hour ride and uh, checked out the uh, Palisades Credit Union Ballpark. Uh, there was a crowd of about 200 people there. And uh, the place seats about 5,000. Now, this is one of the nicest ballparks, nicest independent ballparks in the Northeast. And when you go to the American Association, they've got really nice ballparks and stuff. Out East, most of the independent ballparks are pretty crappy, I'll be honest with you. But uh, Rockland is nice. It was different with just 200 people there. And uh, it, it was different with not all the stuff open, but it was nice to be at a ballpark. And I know it was my last baseball game of the year, that's for sure. Unless something happens and I get to go to the World Series. That's not, not for you guys. Uh, in Texas? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you going to Texas? World Series is in Texas, so if you're going, yeah. that's where you got to go. So I got to go, and then I got to stay there for a while, I guess. Is Texas on the list? Yeah, Texas probably on the list. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, that's miles off sides, dude. They're pulling that goal back. Sorry, live. Um, do you – is there ever a moment when you're going to these games where you're like, it feels normal? Or do you no. always get that shroud of, oh, man, that sucks. What do you mean? Like like because of all the, the COVID Yeah, mass and lack of people. and Yeah, it's, it's just not the same. But you know what? I – I'll be honest with you. I'm a curmudgeon, so I don't mind having a whole section of seats to myself. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spread out, put right, my yeah. feet up, and uh, nobody, nobody in front of me, no kids Absolutely. running around. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I like it that way. And people bring their dogs in, and it's normal, and it's cool. I was thinking about this while we are doing our interview with Josh, and, you know, lightening up a little bit. Yes, we. I know there's a pandemic. But at this point, you know, if sports leagues are trying to do it right and try to get games in, you know, I'm not going to argue about it because I frankly want to see it at this point. If they could do it safe and not hurt anybody, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. You know, I just – There's the key. Yeah, yeah. No, I, no, no, I agree. And But from what I've seen, NHL, less so the MLB, <laughs> like not at all, but – <laughs> NHL is, you know, because I thought about it the other day, like, what are they going to do about next season? I'm like, you know what? I'm not even going to think about it. I'm just going to enjoy this while it lasts. Not my problem. It's going off without a hitch right now. What's the big deal? Yeah, there is it. Really? Yeah. It goes back to what Paul Rudd said. Did you see that Paul Rudd wear a mask video? If you haven't looked it up, it's very funny. At one point he goes, it's preventable. Just wear a mask. <laughs> it's like, thank you. So I guess on that note, and uh, a show about the coronavirus, we'll end with the coronavirus. And Paul hey, the Rudd. Sixers are trying to put an arena in. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, hey, everyone who stuck with us through this ramble at the end here, I want to thank, thank you. you all for tuning in. There's still and a few people you. watching. Nice. They, they are dedicated, man. Hats off to you. Thank you. <laughs> Amy. This last half hour made no sense, but that's all right. It was still fun. It um, was concise. Sixers, Red Sox outro there you go not hard all right so let me do my damn outro <laughs> i'm paul baker follow me at nong <laughs> see you later guys uh thanks for, thanks josh cummings for joining us tonight 
Dan, where can our listeners follow you? I don't know. If they Dan, don't already know, where can they follow you? DanLaw83, for Christ's sake, please. All right. And let us not forget about Mark Viquez, the ballpark hunter. Uh, he couldn't join us tonight, but he will be with us again in two weeks, I'm sure. Yeah, we can talk about pork roll. Yeah. Dave, where can our listeners follow you online? So uh, follow me at Profan9. Uh, Paul Baker got me onto this one. Game misconduct. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> I'm so glad you're done with it. I'm last, glad you're done with it, Dave. Time, <laughs> last time I talked about um, – you know, the NFL book, uh, League of Denial, and, and it was all about neuroscience and, and pretty heady stuff. Oh, my gosh, that was easy compared to trying to follow all of the stuff this dude was into. What did Alan I Eagle. say? Oh, my gosh, Alan Eagleson. What did I call him on your everything? What did I call him on your Facebook post? I said, oh, that. What did I say? Uh, you called him uh, uh, a person born out of wedlock. Yeah, all that back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, which, when you, that should be a description for any documentary that deals with Alan Eagleson is, oh, that B word. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Um, yeah. Also, I finished, uh, I just finished Ball Four, the, the uh, classic Ball Four. Um, finished it on the audiobook. I, you know, it, it, uh, it seemed a little overrated to me, maybe because there have been a ton of tell all books since then, of course. Um, but if you get the, uh, the, the latest edition, wow, the last, the last couple chapters, which are um, 20 years and 30 years after Ball Four, which is a nice little retrospective on, on the influence of the book itself, were, were really good. So after all that heavy stuff, and, and the end of Ball Four was pretty heavy too, I got to get into something like really not heavy at all, so pretty fluffy, 100 things that Raptors fans should know before they die. Um, Dan, you shouldn't read this, like, the second thing you would really hate. But you can follow well, that bounces, at, Pro, at ProFan9. Yeah. It's the bounce, four, bounce, I, bounce. I'm fine. I'm fine. Like I said, we've moved on to now hating the ownership. We don't hate <laughs> Toronto anymore. Congratulations. All I right. mean it. No sarcasm. I, I, t- I totally mean that. I meant it before, man. Goddamn Josh Blitz. Josh Harris, son of a... Somewhere the Flyers are celebrating because Dan has jumped on the Sixers beat down. I almost, I almost, I, no. Mm-mm. Oh, hey everybody. Follow my uh, stadium journeys on Twitter or Instagram at PuckmanRI. Uh, there won't be any travels, I don't think, for the year, but you know what? You never know. And another thing. Another thing. I forgot. Oh. Send me pork roll. Please. Oh, until next time, check out our website, stadiumjourney.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at Stadium Journey. Find the Stadium Journey podcast of VOC Nation. Search VOC Nation on iTunes, Android, whatever search engine you use. I bet if you type in VOC Nation, we'll show up. No, actually, you get type in VOC Nation Radio Network, specifically. I promise you. Radio Network. Not sarcasm. VOC Nation will bring up the old one that's defunct, and this was the one that you see our stuff currently voc nation radio network on all podcast apps so if something's not there it's defunct so if it's there does that mean it's funked yes <laughs> get, get the hell out of here i'm tired of this <laughs> oh yeah check out stadium journey's youtube page for all of our video simulcasts or watch us live like two or three of you masochists are doing right now 
83. Be fair, it's four or five, Paul. Hey, all right. Double our viewership. We doubled it. We're doubling our ad rates, baby. Join us again in two weeks right here when we talk about, well, something. Uh, <laughs> no, lacrosse? No, that's that's in a month. That's oh. two shows away. We're going to talk about the Sixers putting an arena in Penn's Landing. All right, that'll that'll last an hour. <laughs> yes, it will. For Dan Calachico, Mark Viquez, and Dave Cotney, I'm Paul Baker. Till next time. Cross the desert, bear man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I've traveled, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. I've been everywhere. Guess what? Yeah, you. I'm talking to you. Guess what? It's winning season, and winning season returns at my bookie. What does winning season mean? Well, it means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means survivor, super contests, and squares. At my bookie, winning season means hitting all your parlays and props with your feet up, watching your team trump their rivals. Rejoice! It's time to celebrate that NFL season. You're going to go ahead and invest your intuition because you know you got one and just use the code VOC Nation, all one word, no spaces, and you can double your first deposit. The new players get up to $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to your sports you love and the games you bet. You go, uh, and another thing that they have going on over there is you go from betting live to championship futures. Every play you want is waiting at my bookie. It's simple. All you got to do is make your picks, you win big, and then you collect your cash. Doesn't that sound good? I think so. Make sure to use that code VOC Nation, all one word, no spaces, and you'll double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. Hey, this is a Total Package, Lex Luger, and you're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. Check out In the Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kathy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you know Ray there too, right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Kaku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into like snuff film territory there. In the room, 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Wrestling with history, the voice of choice, and killer can wrestling. When I die, they're going to open me up and find about 2,000 undigested Northwest Airlines cheese omelets. Mr. Chris Cruz, what's going on? Jesus, how did I get roped into this? General Adnan went to school with Saddam Hussein. He cried, I cried, he cried, and who could have cried? Adnan lost a lot of family in the Iraqi war. Everybody loves Granny. Wow. Yeah, see, a lot of people don't know that. Yes, Taylor, you guys are busting me up. Catch Wrestling With History with Ken Resnick and I live on VOCNation.com Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern Time or listen to the podcast by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Stadium Journey, the worldwide leader in stadium reviews for the traveling sports fan, is proud to present the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. Join us as we talk with prominent figures from around the sports world to discuss issues pertaining to sports travel and stadiums around the globe. 
New episodes air on VOC Nation Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Join Paul Baker, Dave Cartney, Mark Viquez, Dan Calachico, and guests from throughout the sports world on the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. Yo, this is Jerry Stags of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. You get ready to get nasty? Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby, because it's about to get nasty all around and up in this mother. Get ready. Nasty Sensation is coming at you. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.